challenges that Christmas time, or any time for that matter, brings us is matching the right present to the right person. Uh, not every gift is suitable for every person. Now, you can get Marie a big old fluffy blue Kentucky hat, University of Kentucky hat, and she'd be really happy with that. I'd look kind of silly in it. That wouldn't stop me. I'd probably wear it, but it wouldn't be the gift for me, but that would be the gift for her. And and we struggle with that sometimes. What do we get this person? What do we get that person? And I started thinking as a pastor, if I could give you a gift, if I could give my church, my flock, a gift this morning, what would I give and what would I wish for you? And and while I would wish and I wish I could give you all good health and good job and or good jobs and stress-free lives, those gifts are above my pay grade. I don't have any control over that part of life. But the more that I thought, I came up with four gifts that uh, if it were in my power, I'd give them to you. These gifts are available for everybody, but not everybody will receive these gifts because everybody won't adjust their hearts in order to receive them. But here they are this morning, my my Christmas gifts for you. I titled this message, Presents for Everybody, because once again, they're available for everybody if we will just adjust our hearts to receive them. But the first gift, if I could give you a gift for Christmas this morning, the first one that I would like to give you, the first gift I would like to give you, is the ability to see the miracle of Christmas. I just hope and pray that you can see and understand the miracle of Christmas. If you have your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start with about verse 18. This is a very familiar passage with everyone, but if we're not careful, sometimes we let familiarity cloud the wonder of Christmas, and I just pray that we don't do that this year. I, I like to give us the ability to see the miracle of Christmas. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, beginning verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Today's society does Christmas better than ever before. One thing that is for sure, we start Christmas earlier than ever before. 
uh, and it gets going about the middle of November, and it doesn't slow down till December the 25th, but with all the hustle and bustle, and with all the present buying, and party going, and dinner eating, and football watching, and house decorating, the present I would like to give to you this morning is the ability to slow down and savor the miracle that is Christmas. Because it truly is a miracle. The virgin birth, that messes with the heads of rational people. And I know that we sing Silent Night with its round yon virgin, and we talk about the virgin birth, but have you ever stopped to think about the significance of a virgin birth? It ain't easy. It's not scientific. It hasn't happened before, and it will never happen again. This was a God thing. Did you ever stop to think about the miracle? The Old Testament prophesied in the book of Micah that the Savior, Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem and that he would be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14 tells us. So there just happened to be a virgin that was going to have a baby and that couple just happened to be in Bethlehem that night that Jesus was born. Do you think God had something to do with that? The miracle that is Christmas. And not only is the virgin birth a miracle, but just the fact that man messed up his world so much. And we all want to blame Adam and Eve. One day Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel were walking around and when they went by the Garden of Eden and they saw the the angel there with the, the fiery angel with the sword. One of the boys asked Adam, said, uh, Dad, what is that over there? And they, Adam replied, that's where me and your mama ate us out of house and home. <laughs> and you know, we want to blame Adam and Eve for this mess, but if we're honest, haven't we all done a pretty good job of messing up our lives? Haven't we all created messes? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I participated in every bad decision I ever made. As much as I'd like to blame other people, most of the things that have happened to me in my life have been a result of things I've got to... I, this is a not, it's not a literal file, it's a figurative file, but it very well could be literal, of things that seemed like a good idea at the time that didn't quite turn out the way that, that I thought they would. I've done a pretty good job of making my own mess. And man has messed up his world so much, we created with our sin a gap to where we could not get to God. Don't forget the miracle of Christmas. The world was created perfectly. Now God called it very good. But the world was created without sin. Adam and Eve were fellowshipping with God every day. Until sin came along. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. Their sin separated them. As a matter of fact, they hid from God, remember? Because God in Genesis 1 went to look for them and said, Adam, where are you? Now God knew where they were. God knows everything. But why were Adam and Eve hiding? Because they knew they had sinned. And they knew that they couldn't stand before a holy God. There was a gap that separated 
God. And there's nothing that man could do. The, the sad part about the mess I make of my life and the mess that you make of your life and the mess that our world has made of our world, that gap cannot be bridged by us. It can't be bridged by morality. Even though I have sinned, I can't do a good enough good stuff to make up for that sin. When we get to judgment day, God's not going to say, well, you committed 827 sins. But you did 828 good things, so you can come on in. That's not the way salvation works. I can't get to God on my goodness. I can't get to God on my intellect. I can't ration away the sin that I committed. I can't ration away the sin that separates me from God. It took a miracle to close that gap. Not only is the virgin birth a miracle, the fact that God came we couldn't fix our sin. We couldn't get back to God on our own. The miracle is it would take God to fix our mess. And an even bigger miracle than that is he was willing to. Amen. Amen. The virgin birth is a miracle. And, and I just hope that in the middle of everything that you've got going, and I know everybody's busy. We're all we're all busy. From about Thanksgiving to, to New Year's, we, we stay going all the time. Can I encourage you to slow down and just see and savor the miracle that is Christmas? The virgin birth. The fact that God came. And one other little application here. If God can father a child through a virgin girl to fix a fallen world, don't you think he can fix whatever ails you as well? Whatever it is that's bothering you, whatever it is that's worrying you, whatever it is that's keeping you awake at night, turn it over to God. God said, you say, well, it take a miracle to fix this problem. Can I tell you that God's a miracle worker, Amen. Aren't we fortunate to be children of the creator of the universe? I can't fix everything. But you know what? I know somebody who can. You do too. The miracle of Christmas. Second, not only would I give you the ability to see the miracle for Christmas... I would also like to give you the ability to lose your ball and chain and find your joy in serving Jesus. Lose your ball and chain and find your joy in serving Jesus. As we come out of this Christmas season and out of 2021, I don't know about you, but I'm tired. This has been a rough couple of years, and Every week, rough or not, there are sermons and lessons to prepare. There's church bulletins to write and print. There are classes to be taught. And 
it's not just me. That There's music to pick out. There's giveaways to plan, outreach events, visitation, keeping the church building and grounds functioning and usable. I tell you what, y'all, today, last couple of weeks, every time we turn on a faucet, a leak breaks out. There's always something going on. And the list goes on and on and on. And as we get to the end of 2002, can I let you in on some good news? You ready? It's almost 2022 and it starts all over again. <laughs> right? I was watching City Slippers a while back. Y'all know that movie with Billy Crystal and he is uh, he and his two buddies are trying to find the meaning of life. They're all going through a midlife crisis so they decided it would be a really great idea to join a cattle drive. And so they decided they were going to drive these cattle across the Midwest and uh, Jack Palance played the crusty old wagon master. And he, he just kept everybody intimidated and scared. And, and he came up to uh, Billy Crystal, and he's way up here, and Billy Crystal's kind of small. He says, you know what's wrong with you, boy? And Billy Crystal's, no, sir, I don't. He said, you need to find your one thing. And he holds up a bit crooked finger. You need to know what your one thing is. And when I thought about that one thing of Curly's, it reminded me, believe it or not, of a Bible passage in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10. You know this story well. Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Now it happened as they went that, they, that he entered, that's Jesus, a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. When we read that, I can't help but think that Mary was so caught up in the act of serving that she forgot who she was serving. I'm going to repeat that. Mary was so caught up in the act of serving, the cooking, the cleaning, the washing, the preparing. You ladies know what it's like to get ready to host somebody. There's a lot to do. And she got so caught up in the act that she forgot Jesus was coming to dinner. Do we do the same thing as Martha? Do we get so caught up in the act of serving that we lose focus on who we're serving? Do we get so caught up on the action that we forget what a joy it is to worship Jesus Christ? And what a joy and a blessing it is to worship God. When we do that, serving becomes a checklist. One more thing to be marked off, one more event to check off the checklist. It becomes a burden it becomes a ball. It becomes a chain. 
But when we focus on who we are serving, it takes effort to prepare a sermon. It takes effort to, to get a Bible class together. But you know what? I get to tell y'all about Jesus. And that's a privilege. That's a joy to tell folks about Jesus. Yesterday I was at Turney Center all day. We hosted a Christian rock group. That group was called Seven Day Slumber. They, they're, award, they're an award-winning hard rock Christian band. And after sitting and listening to two different shows they did yesterday, I can reaffirm the fact that hard rock is not my favorite kind of music. They were loud. Y'all probably could have heard it from, Fair, from Fairview if you had your windows up yesterday. And if I had focused on what I didn't like, I would have had a miserable day yesterday. Because when I left, I did have a headache. But, while they were playing their music, they showed the words on the screen. And those words told about a Jesus who loved those inmates and that died for those inmates and those inmates, their lives could be changed if they'd come to this Jesus. The evangelists that spoke yesterday were terrific. And when the, both shows, when the invitation was given, all kinds of people came to the Lord to rededicate their lives, some for the first time. And some of that's going to end up being emotional sort of thing. But I just believe Jesus changes hearts. And if I'd have looked at the act of being right there with that hard rock music, loud, couldn't understand it, they were screaming. That guy, was, their lead singer was about my age, and I don't know how he sang that kind of music 30 years and still had a voice left the way he was just, they were screaming. And if I just focused on the act, it would have been, man, I can't wait to 4 o'clock. But when we started talking to people about Jesus, I looked down, I couldn't believe it was 4 o'clock. The time just flew by because when you focus on the act, it becomes a ball and chain. I've got to go to church. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to go fix one more leak. I've got to hang these posters. I've got to print the bulletin. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But when you say, you know what, Lord? I'm thankful to work in your building. And we fixed that late. I'm thankful to be able to tell people about Jesus. We print that bulletin. I'm glad to be able to collect for Lottie Moon because the collection that we make for Lottie Moon is going to support missionaries and folks that are lost and have never heard Jesus are going to hear about Jesus. And it takes away the ball and chain. I just wish for you as my flock if I could give you the ability to see the miracle of Christmas, I'd give that to you. I would also give you the ability to take away the ball and chain and for you to find your joy in serving Jesus. I would also, going along with this, I'd like to give you the ability to find your purpose. I'd like to give you the ability to find your purpose. God did not save you to sit. Have you ever noticed in the New Testament when you read about the Christian life, he always says walk. 
He doesn't say have a sit worthy of your calling. He says have a walk worthy of your calling or walk worthy of your calling. He doesn't say sleep worthy of your calling. We're called to move. We're called to go forward. We're called to do. We have a purpose. And to illustrate this, we're going to go back to the Old Testament this time. First Chronicles chapter 4. First Chronicles chapter 4. There are two verses in Scripture that talk about this fellow of all the Bible. I think this is the only time he's mentioned. Now, I may be wrong. But it's the only time I can remember for sure he's mentioned. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. We don't know much about this fellow named Jabez. There's a book that Bruce Wilkinson wrote about him called The Prayer of Jabez that is a terrific little book. But he asks for four things. He says, God, I pray that you would bless me. I pray that you would help me in my work. That's the idea of enlarging my territory. I pray that you would be with me always. And I pray that you would not have me cause pain to anyone. If we could look at all four of these characteristics, I believe what Jabez is praying for God to help him with. Jabez is saying, God, can you help me find my purpose? Can you help me live a life that's in your purpose? What a wonderful vision. What a wonderful way to live life. Here's my question for you. Do you have a vision? What is it? Do you know? Have you ever thought about it? As you walk with the Lord, and if you're walking with the Lord, God didn't save you to serve. He saved you for a purpose. What's your purpose? What's your vision? And if you don't know what that is, can I encourage you to start praying for that? Start praying for the Lord to help you. Ask others. Sometimes others can see our spiritual gifts much faster than we can. I would pray that you would find your purpose. Finally, I pray that you would find the peace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. So many people come, go through life looking for that one thing, and what they're really looking for is peace. But we look for it in all the wrong places. We look for it in our job. We look for it in our spouse. We look for it in alcohol, drugs, women, pleasure, stuff. Prosperity preachers do us a huge disservice. They teach us that if we follow Jesus, everything's just going to come up roses. If if you name it, claim it. If, if you want a new car, say, God, give me a new car. If you want a new house, say, God, give me a new house. If you want a new set of clothes, God, give me a new set of clothes. But did you know that prosperity is pretty much summed up American Christianity? We are the most prosperous country in the world that's ever been. 
But would you say that as you look at our prosperity, would you describe America as peaceful? Would you say that Americans have peace? Turn the news on. Look at Twitter. Even sadder than that, look at Southern Baptist Twitter. People are fighting against neighbors, fighting against neighbors, pastors against pastors, churches against churches, Americans against Americans. It's because we're looking for peace in all the wrong places. And instead of finding peace from the Prince of Peace, we're looking elsewhere. And did you know that not only are we not finding it, you say, well, how do you know you're not finding it? If prosperity brings peace, what's Black Friday all about? Amen? If prosperity brings peace, why? if we're peaceful, why do we want more? I wonder if God looks down at us when we celebrate Thanksgiving on Thursday, thinking about, God, I'm so thankful. I don't need anything else. You've blessed me so much. My house is so full of stuff. I'm so glad our family is around. I'm so glad we're having a wonderful Thanksgiving. I am such a wonderful and thankful, having such a wonderful time. I'm such a thankful person. And then at 6 o'clock on Friday morning, we're fighting for a parking place. We're tripping somebody so we can get to the door before they do. And we're fighting over the last coffee maker. Y'all, if I could give you four gifts this morning, I would give you the ability to see the miracle of Christmas. I would give you the ability to take your ball and chain of serving away and let you find the joy of serving Jesus. I would help you find your purpose. And I would help you find the peace that comes from knowing Jesus as your Savior. Real peace can only come through Jesus Christ. Remember at the end of the Christmas when, when, G, when, the, when the angel came to the shepherds in Luke 2. We're going to read this next week. But at the very end of the angel's message, he says, peace and goodwill. And it's basically from Jesus Christ. Now we'll unpack that phrase a little bit next week. But true peace only comes from finding Jesus. These gifts can be yours. You can see the miracle of Christmas. You can find your joy in serving Jesus. You can find your purpose. And you can find peace from knowing Jesus. But the only way for all of this to happen, the only way you can open that, those presents is for you to trust Jesus as your Savior. I think most of us here have done that. If you haven't, can I encourage you? Boy, today would be a great time to do that. Admit you're a sinner. I am too. All these folks in this building this morning, they, they are too. Understand that your sin has separated you from God. 
Your morality, your intellect, your rationality, it can't get you back to God. We were so messed up that Jesus came to fix it. Jesus came to make a way for you and for me to get back to God and to get back in fellowship with God and to be one of his children, to be adopted into his family. You ever want to be adopted by a billionaire? You know, we all kind of think about it when we're, when we're kids. We, we think about, if you're a girl, you think about marrying the prince. If you're a guy, you think about being the king. Can I tell you, we're adopted by, if you're a Christian, you're adopted by somebody better than that. You're adopted by somebody better than Prince Charming. And maybe you've done that and you've just gotten caught up in life. We do that sometimes. Life gets in the way of life. And we lose our focus. We lose our one thing. We lose what's important. Can I encourage you to make your way back home? It begins by trusting Jesus totally and giving yourself to him totally. You don't have to do that during an invitation time. Usually we have an invitation song, but this morning we're going to go into our communion because that ties into this message. But can I encourage you that you don't have to have an invitation time to trust Jesus as your Savior? You don't have to have an invitation time to rededicate yourself to the Lord. You don't have to have a member uh, an invitation time to say, hey, I want to be baptized. Or to say, hey, I'd like to talk with you about joining the church. Or to say, hey, I'd like to, I feel God calling me to do this job or that job. It doesn't take an invitation time. All it takes is a willing heart. And you can do that at any time. So we invite you, however the Lord's working in your heart, let the understand it's the Lord. And when the Lord calls, you probably ought not ignore that phone call. Y'all ever get a phone call that you on your cell phone you don't recognize a number so you ignore it? Well, if the Lord calls, can I encourage you not to ignore that phone call? It'll be life-changing. Amen.